www.brfcs.com. By the fans. For the fans. Since 1996. Welcome to BRFCS podcast number 58. I'm Wen Waihu, the BRFCS editor. Joining me in the virtual studio today are Chief Reporter Cami and Assistant Editor Eddie. It's been quite a while since we had the last podcast with Sir Bill Taylor at the beginning of February, uh, just over a month now. Uh, it's uh, been a rather busy time for everyone at BRFCS uh, behind the scenes. Uh, but we haven't been that busy behind the scenes. We've been busy with our own private lives. Uh, I've been away for uh, the best part of uh, uh, three, four weeks uh, in uh, Australia and uh, then just been over to Tokyo. And uh, I think uh, both Cami and Eddie have been rather busy recently. We've uh, had uh, no chance to go through all the matches uh, that have taken place during uh, February and, and now in early March. So we'll be looking at those. And we've uh, got matches uh, coming up that we'll be looking at. A uh, quick review of the transfer window on the loans. And uh, we'll be looking at player form as well. Uh, first of all, just like to bring Cami in. Cami, how are you? I'm fine, Ren. How are you? Yeah, good, good. Um, you've been pretty busy this last uh, few weeks, yeah? Yeah, I've been working on a, a football, non-Rovers football-related project, Uh which I'm not allowed to talk about just yet, but um, hopefully uh, in the next two or three weeks. But yes, that's been really interesting and, uh, you know, missed these regular podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Um, you say it's uh, to be kept under the hat at the moment. Will you be able to talk about it uh, fairly soon? Yeah, oh yeah, very, very soon. Uh, hopefully on the next podcast. It's uh, It's been pretty interesting what we've been looking at and, uh, quite relevant to to modern football, so so hopefully uh, in the next few weeks you should be able to talk about it. Brilliant, brilliant, good. And uh, Eddie, uh, how are you now? Yeah, I'm fine, thanks. Yeah, it's been a little bit busy for me. I've not been doing anything quite as sort of interesting or secretive as as Cammy has been, but it's good to be back. Mm. Yeah, uh, you've been keeping the uh, uh, the match day uh, team lineups and reports going uh, while I've been away. Um, you, you missed a couple because you were you were busy with uh, other things, I believe. Yeah, it just happened. One or two of the matches fell at a time when uh, when I was sort of travelling, so it was obviously quite difficult to update everything. And then uh, and attending various sporting events, including uh, at Rovers, and so it's it's quite hard for me actually to to post the lineups and the match reports if I'm actually at the game. Yes, yeah. You you get into a, a few matches now. You, you must be over in the UK, of course. Yeah, I mean, I'm mostly in the UK at the moment, so it's it's uh, it's a bit easier to get to the game. So I've been trying to get to as as many as possible. Obviously, I think I might be bringing some bad luck. So it's, I've yet to see us win this season. So oh, should really? maybe stop going. My goodness, um, we've had a particularly bad run recently. Um, you've been looking at the um, uh, recent run of form. Uh, can you just go through that briefly? Yeah, of course. I mean. Obviously, we've the FA Cup. I can see that the tie against Arsenal was essentially, you know, marked a turning point in the form. And I think everyone, on the back of the result, was hopeful that 
you know, such a such a big win would would spur us on in the league. But in actual fact, if you look at the five games before and 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 since the Arsenal game, there's been a, a dramatic fall off um, in the run up to the game. We picked up eight points in the in the previous five games, two wins, two draws, and a, and a loss, and, and it had been playing quite well. Um, and and since then, in the in the five games since that, we've only picked up a one one point with the. Uh, the nil-nil draw against Leeds, which was a sort of unspectacular performance in itself. So I don't think anyone's really that delighted with the fact that we, you know, a scrappy match was a nil-nil draw. Um, I mean, the most disappointing results, clearly, I think, the 3-0 defeat to Leicester City immediately after the Arsenal game, I think, when everyone was sort of riding a high of optimism just to follow that up on the Tuesday with a 2-0 with a defeat to Hull. I think that was... A kind of a warning sign that, that maybe the pulling off the one the one good result in in an FA Cup game wasn't necessarily going to translate into excellent league form, but the game tomorrow basically represents the only thing we have left to play for, apart from obviously bragging rights in the game against Burnley. But uh, yeah, it's not it's, it's uh, not been a, an enjoyable time to be a, a Rovers supporter, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, uh, we've been struggling for goals uh, since the Arsenal match. Well could say since uh, since Michael Appleton came in. We've only actually scored in the defeat to uh, Peterborough in the last uh, five games uh, since the Arsenal game. Cammy, uh, you've been down at Ewood. Uh, you've seen the Leeds match, the Peterborough match. Uh, have you seen any of the other away matches uh, in the last uh, five games? Uh, no, I've not uh, been to any of the away games, but I did get to see... Uh, pretty much the whole of the whole game uh, via the internet. Someone uh, posted uh, a full highlights thing, so, so I saw the whole game, and um, I saw the highlights of, of the Bolton game. Yeah. The game against Leeds, uh, what did you both make of that? I mean, to be honest, Leeds were pretty unlucky uh, not to beat us. Uh, they, they dominated the first half for large periods of time, um, and uh, we had a good spell in the second half for about 20-odd minutes, and then uh, we petered off again. Uh, um, Leeds had by far the two clear-cut chances, uh, one in the second half. In particular, McCormick uh, was free on the back post with just a keeper to be, and he managed to slice his shot uh, past past the, the, the inside post. So it, was, it, was, it wasn't the best performance, to be honest. Leeds were the better side, and... In the end, we were fairly lucky uh, to, to come away with a point in that game. The um, Peterborough game was uh, a disastrous first half. Uh, we were 3-0 down, could quite easily have been 5-6 or six down, uh, all over the place in midfield, which then um, caused us problems uh, at the back because the midfield was so dysfunctional uh, that the defence weren't really getting any cover and they were getting pulled out of position which was then allowing Peterborough, uh, the Peterborough forwards to get into really good goal scoring opportunities. Uh, so they scored three, they could have had five. Uh, the second half, um, um, Appleton bought on Hughes and, and took off Danny Murphy, uh, and that made a huge impact. Um, we, you know, he suddenly started to get control of, of the midfield. Um, we weren't as easy to break down um, and, and with Peterborough struggled really to, to, to put any pressure on us because Hughes was giving good cover to the defence but was also breaking forward and then working back 
Uh, and in the end, um, I mean, Jason Law had a chance um, with about six or seven minutes left. If he'd put that way, it would have been 3-2 and we, we could have you know, maybe nicked a draw. Uh, in the end, uh, we lost 3-2, but I reckon if we had another five or ten minutes, we probably would have would have got an, an equaliser. So the second half um, against Peterborough was much, much better, whereas the first half was probably the worst I've seen Rovers play in, in quite a long time. Um, I was at the Bolton game, but um, obviously Appleton made quite quite a number of changes, and from the highlights that I've seen, um, it, it seemed that we had the better chances. Uh, we hit the bar twice, Hanley... Uh, from corners hit the bar twice. Uh, Jordan Rhodes had a couple of chances. Um, I think Marcus Olsen also had a fairly decent chance. And then we got hit by another sucker punch uh, deep, deep into injury time uh, when Chris Eagles sort of got in in on the right-hand side and he smashed a shot past uh, uh, Keane, across Keane, and it dribbled into a bottom corner. So I think against Bolton, from what I've seen from the highlights and talking to people who were at the game, it was a much more encouraging performance in terms of the team looked more organised, uh, the changes that Appleton made worked, you know, we were much harder to break down, and going forwards, um, we caused them quite a lot of problems, uh, and really, you know, if we'd got the first goal, we probably would have gone on and, and won that game quite, quite easily, but it was just a, a case of a uh, bit unlucky with the shots that uh, that hit the bar, and you know, for once, Jordan Rhodes uh, didn't didn't put a couple of chances away. Mm, yeah, um, Eddie, uh, you saw the Leeds match. Um, what did you make of that one? We're certainly more organised under Appleton, but we didn't create much, and you know, it was a it was a workmanlike performance that just lacked that little bit of creativity and spark and drive that I think a, a good team needs. And the problem that you have in the, if you approach games like that is that if you do get that bit of luck that you need, you can win games because we we shouldn't, with the way we're playing now, concede. I mean, I know we've conceded three against you know Peterborough against Leicester as well, but you know defensively we have been better under Appleton. But you know if you can't go into a game knowing that you will score, which I think at the moment we can't say that. You know, we, we think that we will score. You run the risk that any, any little bit of luck that the opposition gets or a moment of brilliance that they get is going to put you in a really difficult situation. And I, I hope in, the, in the, the remainder of the season we try to maybe be a little bit more expansive and, and try and develop the attacking side of the game. And the Peterborough match, um, there were a few on the forums, uh, and certainly Parson Blue was uh, saying this as well in his match report, the first half against Peterborough was one of the worst in memory. And uh, some of these guys on the forum have been watching Rovers since the 50s, 60s. So that's a long time, isn't it? Uh, I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was terrible. I think it's certainly in, the, in my time sporting Rovers, it would go down as, as, as one of the worst times I've ever witnessed. I mean, I, I think you have to take it with a pinch of salt in some respects in that I think in my time being on the message board, there have probably been about 15 worst ties in history. You know, I think you know the, the, the most recent poor performance is always the worst. But I definitely think it was. It was. I, I went into it expecting that we would win. In all honesty, you know, bottom of the table team. I thought we would be better than them, and it was just 
uh, as Cammy said, we, we could have been six, six down, five, six down, and had no complaints on the basis of where we were. I mean, they looked as if they could score every time they went forward, and we offered nothing. I mean, in, the midfield was non-existence, existent, and we were just you know sort of wave upon wave of their attacks, and every time you felt that they could probably grab a goal. So yeah, it was it was it was terrible stuff. I mean, it certainly wasn't the performance from a team that could hope to be promoted. Uh, and, it, I mean, the, the worst part about it in, in terms of comparing form, it certainly wasn't the same team that defended so resolutely uh, get, you know, at the Emirates. And I think that's, that's the thing that's most confusing about it, is that so many times this season we've seen this side perform well to, to a level where you would think that they should be competing for promotion. And then the following week you see them play to a level where you'd think that they're lucky to even, you know, be outside of the relegation zone. Yeah. It, it's no no coincidence that our two best kind of, even though we lost to Bolton, uh, from all accounts, uh, defensively we were much better, the, the team shape was better, uh, and obviously against Arsenal uh, we, were, we were fantastic uh, in terms of the way we defended. It's no coincidence that those two performances have been when Danny Murphy hasn't been playing in, in midfield. Um, I hate singling out single players because it wasn't just Danny Murphy against Peterborough, but he was exceptionally poor. Um, he couldn't pass. He wasn't running around. He wasn't providing any defensive cover. Uh, Jason Law has many, many weaknesses, but the one thing he does do is he works hard and he tries and gives... Uh, defensive cover uh, when we don't have the ball. Danny Murphy wasn't doing any of that against Peterborough. Uh, at times he was like shrugging his shoulders and saying, well, what do you expect me to do? Uh, it was a complete and utter uh, disgrace of a performance by by, by a Rovers player. Um, you know, I mean, it didn't help that the, the crowd started booing him um, 30 minutes in, but you've got to realise you know, this guy was bought in to help us control games, you know, with his technical ability, uh, with his, you know, experience, uh, we thought that he'd be coming here doing what, you know, not as maybe not as good as what two guys could do, but you know, at this level, with his ability, you know, having done relatively well at Fulham last year, uh, he, we thought he'd come in and help us sort of control games, and and it's the opposite when he's on the pitch, uh, particularly in the last few games. Um, He's, he's a liability uh, because his passing is gone and because he doesn't work hard and because his general performance isn't up to the level that you expect. Uh, he's a hindrance when he's on the pitch. And when he's not there, and you know we brought Jones on in the second half, and if you look back at the Arsenal game, and although I wasn't at the Bolton game, from all accounts, you know it was a much better performance. When he's not on the pitch, uh, we seem to work better as a unit and and you know that's something that um, obviously Appleton's going to look at and I'm pretty sure he's after the match comments about you know people not wanting it and people having to look themselves in the mirror uh, and not giving the effort I think they were partly aimed uh, at, at Danny Murphy amongst others yeah um, at half time he hauled off uh, Danny Murphy uh, Bradley Orr and also uh, David Bentley, but he was saying that he would have uh, taken six or seven off uh, if he could have done. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it, was, it wasn't just Danny Murphy's fault. You know, that, that Bradley Orr was poor, 
Bentley, I thought, was one of our better players, you know, but, um, I, you know, again, no complaints. You know, Rakic could have gone off. He, was, he wasn't the best, you know, so there were, you know, DJ Campbell, again, um, was poor, but I think him and Rhodes are similar types of players, um, and they often make the same runs, and, and that's why he's not looking as effective as, as he could be. So, yeah, uh, there were six or seven players that he, he could have taken off, um, but, you know, Oren Murphy in particular were, were very, very poor. I think it was the lack of effort or perceived lack of effort uh, from them two uh, which annoyed fans uh, the, the most. I definitely agree with, with Danny Murphy. I think he's been a disastrous signing. I mean, he hasn't done, as you said, you know, you kind of, I think everyone, generally the supporters were excited when he came on and thought that he could play that two guy role and had that little bit of class to the midfield that maybe had been lacking in recent seasons. And instead, he's, he's just a passenger in a lot of games. And when the team is playing well and, and things are working, he looks decent. But, you know, when the going gets tough, he's just, you know, just a statue in the centre of midfield offering absolutely nothing. Uh, I feel a little bit sorry for Bradley Orr. Not that he's been spectacular since he's been recalled from long. But I do feel like he's on a, a hiding to nothing you know, in a sense, and that such a large percentage of the supporters have already made their mind up when it comes to him, that even if he has a great game, I think he runs the risk of being booed. And he's been poor in recent weeks, but, you know, most of the team has been. So uh, as, a, as a fullback, it's quite hard in a team that's playing poorly to make yourself look that good. Um, and I think, you know, not I'm not going to sort of try and defend him or say that, he doesn't deserve any criticism. I'm certainly not saying that, but I, I definitely feel a little bit sympathetic when it comes to the, the amount of flack that he gets. Yeah. Um, Bradley Orr, during the first half against Peterborough, uh, apparently went up to the Jack Walker stand and uh, uh, told them to F off. Uh, did you, did, he must have been uh, uh, at your end of the pitch, Cammy. Yeah, I didn't see that. I think it was more when he was, you know... He was subbed at half time. I think when he was sat in the dugout, I think that's when that incident occurred. Not during the first half. I, you know, that's my side of the ground. Uh, I didn't see that um, in in the first half, but I suspect it was when when he'd been subbed and he was sat near the dugout during the second half. That's when uh, some kind of incident occurred. And you know, he's been on Twitter since then and apologised to fans. Uh, saying that, that that was wrong and he lost his cool and he should have done that. Mm. Yeah. But again, um, I, I, to some extent I agree with Eddie. He's on a hiding to nothing because of his previous with, with Rovers fans. And to be honest, uh, the first few games when he came back, he was good. He looked really uh, up for it and uh, he was doing well at right back. But the two or three games leading up, uh, to Peterborough, slowly his performances have started to dip again, and and it culminated in that first half where again he was he wasn't chasing back and he kept giving the ball away and uh, all the good attacks that Peterborough mounted were coming down his side, and it was because he was when he pushed forward he wasn't running back or when he had the ball he was giving it away in dangerous areas, and I think his performances have started to dip again um, after. When he came back, he, he he looked really good. He looked up for it, but he seems to have lost that little bit of motivation that he had when when he came back from from the loan spell. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll come on to um, 
the the player form uh, later on. But, uh, yeah, at the end of the Peterborough match, we had news uh, filtering through that uh, the chauffeur uh, of the Venkis who were at the match uh, had collapsed. Later, uh, the news came through that uh, that he'd passed away. Um, we'd just like to pass on from BRFCS uh, the, our condolences to family and friends of Marcus Smith. Uh, Mark, I believe he was known as. Um, I think he was an Everton fan. And uh, he, he was certainly a local local guy. And uh, obviously he'd been uh, uh, chauffeuring the, the Venkis whenever they came over to the UK. And uh, it's a, a very sad loss uh, for uh, family and friends uh, and uh, everybody who, who knew him. So uh, our uh, condolences to uh, family and friends of Marcus Smith. I'd just like to add, uh, when now, I've talked, his, his uh, Twitter tag was chauffeur to go um, and I've talked, to him on a, I've talked to him on a number of occasions via Twitter and, and, and email and he's a really, really good guy. Um, I think a lot of people won't know that often Venkis used him as a sounding board because he was neutral, you know, he's not a Rovers fan. Uh, but he's a football fan, and because he interacted with Rovers fans on Twitter and you know just clients etc., uh, he did a lot of good work uh, for for Rovers in terms of talking to the owners or talking to the owners' representatives and telling them about how fans were feeling and how they were being perceived. Um, you know, I just like to offer my condolences to his family and friends. Uh, you know, and thoughts and prayers are with them. At, what must be a extremely difficult time. You know, you don't expect someone to go to work in the morning and then and then not to come home in the evening. So it's you know just our thoughts and prayers with them. Yeah, I think they're having a memorial service um, next week. Um, I'll try and uh, through his Twitter account. They uh, they posted the details and they wanted people to attend. So I'll. Um, I'll dig those details out and uh, put it on one of the forum posts. Yeah, thank you very much for that. So um, the Peterborough match, second half, and the Bolton match uh, suggest that uh, with all the changes that uh, uh, were introduced, that we're, we're possibly uh, moving back back towards a more positive frame of mind. Um, the key introduction was perhaps the. Uh, the new loan signing from Wigan, uh, David Jones, who put in a great man-of-the-match performance in the second half against Peterborough and uh, then had another good game against Bolton. How did David Jones look in that uh, Peterborough second half? Yeah, he did what we haven't had anyone doing since the, the other Jones <laughs> went back to Schalke. He... Uh, he sat in front of defence and provided really good cover. He was tracking the runs that the Peterborough forwards were making and he was intercepting balls. Uh, I think two minutes after coming on, there was a 50-50 and he went flying in and took the ball and the man. And you know that got the fans going. The, the thing I was really impressed by was not only was he providing defensive cover, but he was pushing forward as well. So when he was picking his moments to burst into the box or get the ball and uh, his distribution was was very, very good. And so it was, I think, the all-round performance. Not only was he providing a defensive cover, but uh, when the opportunity allowed, 
he was pushing forward. And obviously he got a goal as well, uh, just going into injury time. And it was a all-action display. And what made it more amazing was that he had a, he'd only just signed for overs at midday on, on Saturday. So he hadn't trained with the squad and, and he came in and he produced that uh, an amazing performance. Yeah. Eddie? Yeah, I thought it was impressive. I, he definitely added something to the team that we have been have been missing, as as, as Cammy mentioned. I think you need that 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 effort and that drive that he offered. Um, just to you know, not only does it help the team sort of take over and improve the, the defensive cover that the, the midfield needs to provide for the defence, and also as he touched on, I think it gets the fans involved. I think you need to you need to see that level of effort coming. I think particularly when it's coming from midfielders, I think. It, it lifts the whole ground and it lifts the whole team and, and, and can really, you can have that one player who improves the performance just through his sheer effort in, in the ground that they cover and, he, and you know, what they manage to do. So I think he definitely looks like an encouraging signing. Um, and I thought Cameron Stewart, obviously, also came on to make his debut. I thought he's looked reasonably good, not quite as... You know, a sort of spectacular debut and, and, and first two performances maybe that, that Jones has had, but he certainly looked a, a decent signing. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's definitely encouraging and, and hopefully it will continue the rest of the, as for the rest of the season. Yeah. Now, we've got uh, a FA Cup six-round match, that's quarter-final, uh, against Millwall tomorrow. Uh, David Jones and Cameron Stewart are both cup-tied, unfortunately. Uh, also DJ Campbell and Josh Morris, uh, so they won't be featuring. Um, on the upside, uh, Adam Henley has now returned to, to the side after injury, and Leon Best uh, came on for 10 minutes at the end of the Bolton match. Uh, Josh King is just back from injury, but uh, probably won't make it in time for the Millwall match, but uh, he looks as though he's on his way back uh, after uh, well, uh, nearly two months out, I think. Uh, if we look to the Millwall match, first of all, FA Cup has been the one bright spot in our season so far. Uh, the Arsenal match, uh, absolutely tremendous effort to, to, to pull off a 1-0 victory down there. Uh, if we could just look at uh, the FA Cup run now, uh, first of all, uh, did either of you uh, get to see the match either live or on on the telly? I saw the Arsenal game. Yes, yeah, that was a, certainly a highlight of the year in terms of following Rovers. I think you know, it, it was a kind of return to the good old days of, of playing a big team and, and certainly being outclassed. I think throughout the match, but having putting in a you know it was a resolute defensive performance and. It was kind of what you wanted to see from a team if they're going to go and play at the Emirates as a, as you know, a smaller side fighting for their lives, and it was it was it was a good performance. Who were the standout players? Did you think? I thought, I mean, well, Jake Keane in, in many ways had to be the standout. I thought, particularly in the first half, he pulled off one or two very good saves um, that definitely kept the, kept the team in it. Uh, but overall, I think. I think it's a bit unfair, maybe, to pick out individuals. I thought I thought Dan and Hanley uh, were very good together, and I think overall, over the past sort of couple of months, they've improved as a partnership. But I think it was just overall the team the team played so well as a unit, and, and each player sort of stuck to their their role. It was very organised. You could see that, that, that there was a you know an, an actual 
tactical approach to the match, which at times throughout the season has maybe been lacking. And you could see each player knew what they were supposed to do. Uh, I thought I thought Williamson was was good. I mean, that was his debut as well. And I think, in part, uh, it's been a real shame that he subsequently has been injured because I was on the on, you know coming out of that match. I thought that maybe we'd picked up quite a bargain there in a signing. So I think maybe if I had to pick out a, an outfield player in terms of how they'd play, I'd probably say he he was the most impressive because you know he came into it not exactly knowing what to expect from him and and he really in that central midfield role he really added something to the team and and you know he he was kind of popping up everywhere and and looked very calm and composed on the ball as well picking out sensible passes which which I mean if you compare him to to Danny Murphy he was basically doing everything that Danny Murphy hasn't done this season. Yeah, I agree. Um, it was, like Eddie said, back to the days of uh, us being the underdogs and uh, going out and getting a very unexpected result. Uh, again, uh, Dan and Hanley were, were brilliant at the back. Uh, but my, again, like Eddie, my standout man was Williamson because, um, like Eddie said, we didn't know what to expect from him. But uh, he produced a very calm and measured performance in midfield. He he looked composed, and and he was, like Eddie said, was popping up all over the place. And uh, you know, really really good performance from from him. And it's just such a shame that he then picked up that injury very early on against Hull. I think it was because uh, I was really looking forward uh, to seeing more of him. Now you know, looking forward, if I think he's had problems with injuries in the past, but if we can keep him fit. And if we can bring Dave Jones in into the squad next season, you know he's he's available on a free transfer in June with his contract running out at Wigan. Uh, then there's possibly the first kind of emergence of having some kind of functional midfield uh, with, with Jason Law uh, in in there as well. So 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 looking forward, uh, maybe that's the way that Appleton's going to go. Um, and, but yeah. That was a fantastic performance, and uh, I felt so pleased for our fans because we've been through so much in the last two years, and uh, to get that high uh, by beating, you know, Arsenal at the Emirates, it, it gave everyone that massive boost. And now, if we can follow that up with uh, a, a, a victory tomorrow. Or get Millwall back at Ewood and beat him in a replay, and then you know an FA Cup semi-final after what we've been through in the last two and a half years will be phenomenal for our fans, uh, and and something you know that'll give again everyone a huge boost. Yeah, looking ahead to Millwall, we've uh, we've got uh, as I say uh, we've got Adam Henley back and uh, Leon Best back, uh, but uh, we've still got. Uh, Quite a number of injuries, and uh, then we've got the four four players who are cup tied. So it could mean that uh, Danny Murphy will be back in the side, or possibly on the bench. Uh, what uh, what do you reckon? Because both teams are coming into this match uh, with the, the the worst records uh, in the championship over the last uh, six, seven, eight matches. I think the current form is is pretty poor on both sides. What do you think? Uh, will will do down at the new den tomorrow, uh, Eddie. I'm actually quite optimistic. I mean, which worries me because I've been relatively optimistic in going to every game 
rematches, you know, for the last two months. So I should probably try and dampen my expectations. But the the you know, Mill, we, we're both in terrible form, and I think the way I'm sort of looking to at the game is thinking that if if you get an FA Cup quarterfinal against a, an out of form championship team, even if you yourself are out of an out of form championship team, you have to you have to feel as if it's winnable. And so I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. And I mean, going back to Leon Best returning from injury, I thought in the 10 minutes or so he got against Bolton, I thought he was actually quite good. I thought it was a, a you know, for someone who'd been out for so long, I thought he looked decent. And I also, also thought there were some encouraging signs in terms of the relationship he had with Jordan Rose. And obviously they will barely even play together in training. But at least it looks... You know, Cammy mentioned the fact that when DJ Campbell and, and Jordan Rhodes are playing together, they're oftentimes trying to do the same thing. Leon Best, who had a, a different style of play, and it looked as if Rhodes and Best might be able to form a, a partnership that actually works. I, I don't think that Campbell and um, and Rhodes' partnership is, is really any, you know, going to provide anything in the long run. So I'm hopeful. I, I have to admit, I, I'm sort of expecting that we will win. But We'll have to see. Fingers crossed and, and hope for the best. Yeah. Um, you're going down to, to the match, Eddie, yeah? I'm supposed to be. I have to admit, the one thing that might stop me from going is obviously tomorrow is Mother's Day. <laughs> I might get caught up in uh, in some uh, a lunch that might run long. But, but at the moment, I have I have a ticket to the game. And uh, at the moment, it looks as though I'll be there. I'm certainly, I, I think I'll be there. Take it to the game? Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I think she, uh, I don't, I don't know how happy that would make her, but we'll see. <laughs> Maybe I can convince her. Yeah, well, um, you were saying before that you've you haven't seen Rovers win recently. Uh, do you mean in the league? Because obviously you you saw them down at the Emirates. Yeah, no, I mean league form. We've been all the games. I've, I've seen a lot of draws. I have to admit, we've been, we've been pretty good at picking up a point when, I, when I've been going to games, but I've been. Uh, Stretching back, actually stretching back into last season as well. Every game I went to last year, we lost. I think. So I think. Don't, uh, don't worry, that was a regular occurrence. Last yeah, no, no. It's not as if I was. Not as if I'm going to Old Trafford and somehow seeing United lose. But yeah, still, it's, uh, it wasn't. I don't think I'm not. I'm certainly not bringing them good luck. Whether or not I'm bringing them bad luck, I can't say. But um, I'm definitely not a good luck charm at the moment. But yeah, we can't say that for the FA Cup. You've seen them uh, them win at uh, the Emirates, so uh, uh, yeah. Hopefully, if, hopefully, if I go along tomorrow, yeah. hopefully it will be. And actually, my record of attending matches in London is quite good, so maybe I'll try and put a positive spin on that, so everyone can be can be hopeful that when I go to games in the London area, we've usually done quite well. So it's good. Well, um, uh, Cammy, uh, you're going to be watching this live, I guess. Yeah, it's on uh, ESPN, um, so I'll be watching it live. Um, I'm. It's going to be some atmosphere there. Uh, Millwall fans, I think it's got, they've sold all the allocation of tickets, um, so so at the end I think we're taking seventy, maybe two thousand fans down uh, all told. So it's going to be a, a full house. Uh, it's going to be critical the first twenty minutes um, that we we don't concede. Uh, if we get through that, then. Then there's every chance that you know we, we we could beat them or even get a draw and get them back to Ewood uh, for a replay. Um, like you said, when we did it, we it's a meeting of the two most out of form teams 
in, in the championship. Uh, Millwall have been losing home games in particular, left, right and centre. Um, so so that gives me a little bit of hope. But I think the league form for this particular one will, will go out of the window. Uh, it, both clubs will see this as a golden opportunity uh, to have a day out at Wembley. So I think that will be motivation enough um, for, for both teams to uh, really go for it. Um, so it's going to be a very, very hard game. Uh, I'm a little bit surprised that uh, Leon Best is going to start tomorrow because uh, he's not had much game time. Uh, I just hope it's not a, a, a risk that comes and bites us back uh, with him picking an injury up. Um, I thought he might have got maybe last 20 minutes or last 25 minutes, but it seems from his comments that um, he'll be starting. So I think, well, I hope, fingers crossed, that he doesn't pick up any injury. Uh, but yeah, um, the as I mentioned before, I think Rhodes and Campbell as a partnership doesn't really work because they, they're very similar players and they tend to make the same runs. Whereas when Kazim's been playing up front with, with Rhodes, that's worked better because it, Kazim holds the ball up and then Rhodes works off that and gets into goal-scoring opportunity positions and 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 they work well as a partnership. And I, I can see Leon Best doing the same where he'll hold up the ball and uh, he'll allow Rhodes to make his clever runs and hopefully we can find him in, in dangerous positions and, and normally that tends to lead to a goal. So... So I'm looking forward to seeing them two play together. Uh, in terms of the team, um, I don't think Murphy will start. I think we might see Pedersen in centre midfield. Um, and I can see Rakic coming back um, at left-back. Um, but yeah, with a lot of the loanies not being able to play tomorrow, I think the squad's going to be fairly stretched. So it'll be interesting to see which way Appleton goes. But I'd still be surprised if... Uh, Murphy starts tomorrow. I think at best for him, he'll he'll be he'll be on the bench. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, which way Appleton goes tomorrow. Yeah, well, uh, it's a cup match. Uh, both teams in poor poor form. Both teams had a pretty reasonable chance of getting into the playoffs uh, before they embarked on the terrible run. Uh, fairly normal uh, for uh, sort of mid-table championship teams. Uh, falling off when when they have a good cup run, I think uh, Barnsley five years ago um, had a storming run to the semis and uh, uh, nearly got relegated. Um, but um, uh, it, it's I, I don't I don't think it's unusual to have uh, terrible league form, uh, but uh, fantastic cup runs. Um, I think we've got you know a, an excellent chance of getting into the semis. Um, once we're in the semis, uh, who knows? Who knows? But with the new new Wembley, uh, first time back at Wembley since 1995, uh, when we were in the Charity Shield. Um, it's not uh, not first time in the semis since then. Of course, we've had oh, about five or six uh, semi-finals since then. Uh, we've got a, a fantastic record in the cups over the last uh, 10, 15 years. But um, yeah. I'm looking forward to a positive result tomorrow. Um, if we do get a draw, then we'll be playing Millwall in the replay on Wednesday. Um, usually you wait uh, 10 days, uh, roughly, before your uh, replay, but uh, because of internationals, 
Um, we're going to be playing the replay against Millwall uh, next Wednesday if necessary. And that will be followed by um, the visit of, uh, uh, of Burnley at the weekend. We could do with a clear week, to be honest. <laughs> the police could do with a clear week, I tell you. Yeah, because uh, we don't want to be playing this massive cup tie uh, three days before we're due to play Burnley. Um, we could really, really do with, with a clear week. Uh, certainly could. I'm concerned about the league. We're nine points of relegation. Uh, I really don't want that gap to come down to five or six points because uh, that would really, really pile the pressure on. Um, these two home games that we've got coming up, Burnley on uh, a week on week tomorrow, and then uh, Blackpool on Good Friday. Uh, massive games uh, for us. Uh, we need to win one of the two. Uh, I don't think we're too far off safety. I think 51, 52 points will be enough, but you don't want that gap to come down to five or six points because uh, that really pile the pressure on. So uh, we could really do with winning, well, obviously Berlin would be fantastic, but we, we, need, we need a win very, very quickly. Otherwise, we might get really sucked into this relegation battle. Um, and if that gap comes down to five or six points, suddenly you're, you're in really deep, deep trouble. Yeah, yeah. I must say I, I'm not all that concerned about relegation. Uh, I'm concerned about uh, uh, losing form and uh, and getting sucked towards the the, uh, the bottom of the tail. But um, like you say, another five or six points and we should be safe. And if we can't get five or six points from uh, from the last ten games, uh, then you know, we deserve to go down. But to be honest, I, I can't I can't see that. It's not uh, not a great concern for me. Uh, at the moment, yeah, I agree with you. I think one or two people on the message board are kind of speaking as if relegation is a, a very realistic threat, and I, I have to admit, I can't see this side going down. I think the teams below us won't pick up that many points, and we have to have such a total collapse. I just, I can't see it. I mean, touch words, but yeah. Um, just moving on, the transfer window uh, is long close now but of course we've also had the opportunity to bring in emergency loans uh, Josh King came in uh, early in the January transfer window Lee Williamson uh, late late in January on the loan side DJ Campbell David Jones Cameron Stewart uh, all came in and there was also the return of David Bentley which uh, surprised rather a lot of people I think uh, in addition to that, uh, Man City youngster uh, Karim Rekic was brought in and pretty much went straight into the into the team. We also missed out on Jerome Thomas. Um, he wasn't uh, released uh, for for loan, uh, unfortunately. Uh, David Bentley, uh, what did you both make of uh, David Bentley coming back to to the Rovers, uh, Eddie? Uh, I mean, I think. He has potential for a championship team to be a fantastic signing. I mean, the problem is that obviously he's been, he's over the past what, two, two and a half years, been incredibly injury prone. He's played very few matches and the, in the opportunities he's had, has had, both at Spurs and then out on loan a couple of times, he's really failed to impress. So you'd have to say on, on you know over the past one or two seasons, it's a rather unspectacular signing, but I think it's a gamble worth taking. 
I think the more interesting side of it is it's obviously revealed, you know, it's a kind of unsavory aspect of professional football in some respects that you've had this player who obviously said some things that maybe now he regrets when he left left Rovers the first time and, and now, you know, as a supporter, you, you, you're having to, to forget that and, and hope that he, you know, when he steps onto the pitch, just simply simply decide that to forget that and, and move on and, and support him. But and he's been quite, you know, he's obviously addressed that. I saw an interview with him uh, just after the Arsenal game where he, he, he did say that he, he regretted what he had said. But I, I think it's a decent signing. Uh, I don't I don't think he's done too much since he's since he's joined. But I, I can definitely understand why the risk was taken. Coming? Uh, yeah, uh, it was a surprising one. It came out, there was speculation, but um, it was, you know, we needed a wide player. Um, I personally would have preferred someone with a bit of pace, uh, but you know Bentley's got vast experience and potentially he you know he he could easily perform at this level. Uh, he hasn't shown too much yet, and I think he was on loan at West Ham last year when they were in the championship, and he he didn't really do that well again with them. So I'm just hoping that between now and the end of the season, uh, Appleton can get him playing to the level that he's capable of. If if we do that, you know, if we get him up to 70-80% uh, uh, level that he was doing when he was last with us, he'd be fantastic, uh, particularly at this level. But uh, just yet, I think he's finding his feet. He hasn't played a lot of football, so I think it's going to take him time. Kemi, do you happen to know if, with this particular move if there's a chance that it could be made permanent? Or is it simply Spurs using it as an opportunity to get him some football and, and then put him in the shop window but probably at a price and that we can't afford. My understanding is all the players that we bought in have some kind of clauses in with a view to a permanent move. So I think with all the players that we bought in, there's potential uh, that we could sign them on a permanent basis come the summer. So so it'll be interesting to see how these players do. Uh, but I think all the ones that we bought in, apart from Rekic, uh, I think all the others, there's a of you to a permanent move at the end. And on the outgoing side, uh, Simon Vukcevic, of course, uh, has left the club. Um, just looking at the loans, uh, Rochina and Formica have both left uh, on loan. Kami, you don't think that uh, we'll be seeing Rochina or Formica again, I presume? Uh, yeah, um, they're both on loan, so they'll be back at the end of the season. Whether you know there's deals done uh, after that, who knows? But um, they both—they're just loan deals at the moment, and I don't think there's a view to a permanent move in in any of them. Uh, um, and so I think you know they'll be back at the end of the season, and then maybe Appleton will reassess uh, over the summer and see where we go with that. Formica has made some sub appearances and he scored a goal, and he and he looked alright for them. Uh, I don't think he's pulled up any trees. Uh, Palermo sacked their manager as well, so a new guy's come in. So I don't know how that's going to play out for him. Uh, Ricino, on the other hand, has been uh, playing very well for Zaragoza. He started the last few games. He's been playing up, up front on his own. Um, and a couple of Zaragoza fans who uh, follow me on Twitter have been very, very impressed by him. But they've all said that his football intelligence sometimes lets him down, uh, which is what, what we would be saying for two years. You know, he does some sublime bits of skill, 
but then constantly makes the wrong decision. But uh, they really like him. Uh, they think he's brought a new dimension to their side. And like I said, he's been starting the majority of games for them. And um, I saw him play last Friday uh, for them, and, and he looked good. Uh, but it was the same problem with him. Uh, he'll right, uh, you know, 60% of the time, he makes the wrong decision. Uh, he'll shoot when he should be passing. He'll pass when he should be shooting, or he'll try and take that extra man on when when you know he's done the, the hard work. So if someone can sort that side of his game out, then he's a fantastic player. He's got all the uh, ability in the world. It's just a matter of finding someone who can channel that ability uh, and and improve his footballing brain. But uh, he's done well in for Dalgosa, so there could well be interest from a number of uh, Spanish clubs uh, come the summer. Uh, so it'll be interesting. But you know, officially they're both on loan, so uh, they'll be back at the end of the season, and then uh, decisions made uh, as to where they, they go from there. Yeah, uh, you personally, uh, would you be surprised if they uh, remained at the Rovers at the end of the season? I'd be surprised if Formica remains. Uh, I think he'll be off. Uh, uh, with Lucina, he likes the club. Um, I've talked to him a number of times, and uh, he he genuinely does like the club, and he, he wants to do well uh, at Rovers. It would be less of a surprise to me if he remains. Uh, I think he offers something different. Uh, yeah, uh, and maybe Appleton will reassess over the summer. Um, I mean, there have been games uh, in the last four or five, uh, particularly the uh, Leeds game, where you know someone like Regina coming on would offer us that something different, where you can play the ball up, up to him, he holds it, uh, he takes on players, uh, he can cause havoc uh, to a opposition team in terms of disrupting their shape because he gets into weird positions and because his movement is so good he can pull other players out of position and, and create a, a space for the likes of Rhodes uh, the likes of Josh King when he was playing so uh, I wouldn't write off Rochina completely uh, but I think for me uh, I'd be very surprised um, if he if he you know if we see him back at Rovers um, but uh, Rochina uh, maybe if Appleton reassesses, there's there's a future for him. Just so just to add, just to have, I was reading in the Spanish press. I don't know how reliable it was, but I was reading it. I would say it was about a week ago, with seemingly with quotes from Rashina, and he seemed to imply that there was a an, a, an agreed price of four million euros if uh, Zaragoza wanted to buy him. I have absolutely no idea how reliable that is, but uh, it seemed to have quotes from him. Uh, into I think a local Spanish paper. Now, obviously, I would I would take any any information that Cami has over over a sort of unknown source in a, in, in Spain, but I don't know. I just thought I'd put that out there in case either Cami or someone else wanted to to look into it and see whether or not there's any truth to that. But I, I don't know. I I'll, I'll look into it, but I would be surprised because the the deal was done at very last minute. Uh, it was something that developed. Uh, during the day on the transfer deadline uh, day, so uh, it's possible. I, I'll check it, but I've not heard anything from Rovers uh, sources that suggest that there's a, a fixed price. Uh, purely because the deal was done at very last minute uh, in terms of getting him across to Spain, etc. So uh, I'll check it out, um, but I would be surprised if if there's a, a, 
uh, close uh, your four million. You know, uh, it's quite a high figure for someone who's not figured much, but um, I, I will definitely check it out. Now, um, Martin Olsen uh, during the January transfer window uh, was the subject of much interest from West Ham. Uh, then there was late interest from Norwich City, uh, but he remained in the end. Uh, and also uh, Robbo and uh, Givet uh, ended up staying on at the Rovers. Uh, what, uh, what what news do you do you have on uh, on those three and the, the the possibilities for them leaving the club in the summer, Cami? I think um, Givet obviously he's been in the press recently and said he's depressed and uh, he doesn't like Blackburn and and various other quotes um, and, and you know. He's been disappointed that he's not played much. Uh, so I really don't see a future for him at the club. Um, Robbo, I'm pretty sure he's out of contract this summer. So he'll be off. Uh, Martin Olsen, loads of clubs uh, are interested in him. You know, Stoke, West Ham, Norwich, uh, you know, Swansea. A number of clubs are interested in him. And uh, I think... He was persuaded to stay this season and uh, in January when things were looking fairly good about us possibly getting into the top six, uh, I think he, he decided to stay until the end of the season. I can't see us um, keeping hold of him uh, next season. I think he'll be off. So they'll be off and uh, a very, very reliable source um, has told me that a couple of big clubs are looking at uh, Grant Hanley. Uh, his performances in the last four or five months have been superb and uh, a number of clubs uh, are watching him very, very closely. Um, so he's a, a one, another one that could you know, possibly be um, someone that one of the big boys come in for. Um, you know, so so but, you know, he's done really well. Uh, I don't think he's good enough to play for a big club, but uh, you know that there are a number of clubs have told uh, people have told me that a number of clubs are looking at him as well. Yeah. And then now you got Jordan Rhodes. You know he's scored twenty uh, odd goals in a team that's struggling. He's not had much service to be honest. He's been shocking the service that he's had. So again, there may be clubs circling around him uh, come the summer as well. Yeah. He. Um... He made a record goal-scoring run um, that finished at the beginning of uh, February, unfortunately for him. But, uh, yeah, there is speculation about his future at the Rovers. Uh, Jake Keane is another who presumably is uh, attracting attention. Have you heard anything about that? No, no. I mean, because he's just broken into the team, I think we'll be all right with him uh, for another season or so. Um, uh, he's done fun. Really well. Uh, he's, oh, he's a very, very good goalkeeper. He commands the box. He's a brilliant shot stopper. He's good at coming for crosses. Uh, uh, his only weakness at the moment is his kicking, uh, which at times is atrocious. Um, so that's something that needs to work on. But um, he's been very, very good. Uh, I love the way he's always shouting at the defenders and always trying to organise them in front. And whereas Robbo was always glued to the line, uh, Keane comes off the line, he controls his box, he's shouting. Uh, he's someone who seems in good command of, of his of his of his area. So 
So he's done fantastic, um, and uh, hopefully he can carry on his development over the next year or so. Uh, but you know, he, he's, he's been superb, um, you know, in terms of his performances. Um, uh, made some fantastic saves. He's shown he's got good reflexes. So, so generally excited about him, uh, you know, over the next year or so. Yeah, uh, um, the form of Jake. Keen is uh, very encouraging, um, bearing in mind that uh, uh, Mark Bunn was uh, was sold, um, and then uh, Paul Robinson uh, was dropped in favour of Jake Keen. So he's co- he's come from uh, uh, from nowhere to to take the number one spot, uh, but uh, he's uh, he's really made that uh, that shirt his own in the last few few weeks. Uh, so it's uh, fantastic to see uh, one of her, one of her own. Uh, Players coming through the ranks and uh, and and coming up to top level, to play top level football. Now um, behind the scenes, there's been uh, quite a bit of movement over the last few weeks. Uh, we've had uh, a new head of senior recruitment come in. That's uh, Luke Dowling, uh, and uh, also uh, head of sports science, uh, Chris Neville. Uh, both were uh, at Portsmouth with uh, Michael Appleton. Uh, another player, uh, former player that um, uh, has uh, got associations with Michael Appleton uh, is Darren Moore, who's come in uh, from West Brom as the first team coach. And uh, in addition, we've got a, a new goalkeeping coach, uh, John Keeley, um, who has come in to replace Bobby Mims. Um, Cammy, uh, do, do you have any... Um, uh, inside stories on these uh, these new additions. Uh, have you met any of them yet? Uh, no, I've not met any of them, but it's been very, very encouraging. Um, um, you know, the club's uh, scouting structure was destroyed by Steve Keane. The academy structure was on its way to being destroyed by 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 Keane, um, and and the recruitment policy was being run by various different people. Let's just, let's just leave it at that. Uh, so the football manager didn't have much control. And when Henning Berg came in, um, again, he, he didn't assert his authority. Uh, and once, once he wasn't able to assert his authority, unfortunately, he was always going to fail because you know, he wasn't in 110% charge of what was happening uh, off the field in terms of affecting football matters. Uh, Appleton's come in and he's in complete and utter control of everything that happens on the football side of things. So people like Shebby, who were at Brockhall all the time, uh, you know, doing all sorts, they've been sidelined. Um, it's Appleton who's running the footballing side of things. He's directly communicating with the owners. So there's no middlemen uh, other than Shaw, who so Shaw and Appleton work together to communicate with the owners. So if you want to sign a player, you know, like um, um, David Jones, etc., that goes direct to the owners. They approve it, and then Shaw goes and does the deal. So that side of thing is working fine. Like you said, he's brought in these uh, four people. Uh, I'm told over the summer there's going to be more additions to the sports science side of things. So there's potentially going to be another one or two people coming in to supplement what he's got already. Um, uh, during the games, he has um, the, the Arsenal game. I saw a picture uh, of um, one of the coaches sat just 
below the press box and he had his calling uh, the uh, the opta links open and what he was doing was he was analyzing the game on the fly um, and feeding that data back to Appleton via one of the coaches so they had a, um, a, a, a telephone, telephone link uh, there so that just shows you the level of detail that uh, uh, Appleton goes for it's very very reminiscent of the way Mark Hughes was he was very much into the sports science side of things and uh, using technology properly to uh, enhance the team's performance you know to get an extra one percent and and that's what Appleton's into so uh, uh, you know, talking to him, he's been very, very impressed by the facilities at Brock Hall. You know, we've got uh, when Sam was there, he installed all the uh, uh, Prozone uh, uh, stuff and the Opta stuff. So uh, we're all fully, you know, we we've got all those facilities there, and Appleton's using them to the maximum. He sorted out the scouting structure. You know, he's brought in ahead of recruitment, and I'm told there's been a number of uh, scouts been uh, appointed you know and they're going off around Europe working on, on various assignments he sorted the coaching structure out you know he's brought Darren Moore in uh, he's sorting out the sports science side of things so suddenly you know we're starting to get some long-term fixes in in uh, in the playing side of things uh, and, and you need that in modern football you know for too long under Steve Keane and uh, uh, Henningberg we were only interested in short-term fixes. Well, Appleton's not like that. He wants the long-term. He's looking at the long-term. Keane and Berg were putting short-term fixes in, um, you know, the likes of who was bringing these Portuguese players in. You know, Keane admitted he'd, it wasn't him and and there was pandemonium uh, off the field. Well, we don't have that anymore. You know, the manager's making decisions. He's looking at the long term. Now, you know, whether he's a good manager or not, no one knows. Um, you know, I, I don't know if he's going to be a good manager. But what I have seen is he's hyper-organised. He talks sense. You know, he's identified the problems. Uh, he's very open with the way he talks to people, you know. Uh, after the game against Peterborough, you could see how how uh, angry he was. And, and, he, and he sort of said what the fans were feeling. Now, that doesn't make him a good manager. You know, it, at the end, he'll be judged on results. But uh, I saw a lot of stuff uh, over the last week asking for him to be sacked. But we can't just continually sack managers. We've got someone here. He's identified the problem. He's trying to fix them. He's looking at the long term. You know, he's controlling recruitment. Uh, you know, he's trying to bring in players that he thinks can can take the club forward. So, at the very least, I think he deserves the summer to uh, bring his own team in to carry out what he's been saying in terms of, you know, st- stabilizing the club. Uh, you know, getting the club playing uh, a brand of football which will will eventually get results. Uh, he's definitely built from the back. You know, he admits that himself that the attacking side of things needs tweaking, but he wanted a solid base at the back to build from, and and he's generally got that now. But he now needs to bring things forward in terms of tweaking the attacking side. So I think he needs to be given time. Um, and, and you know, he's definitely talking long-term here. Um, three or four-year plan that he's, he's mentioned to journalists at, at Brockhall. So, so, you know, at the end, he'll be judged on results. And I'm not saying he's a fantastic manager. Um, I'm just saying it's far too early to judge him. The thing I will judge him on is the way he's talked and he's identified 
problems that we've all been seeing uh, over the last year and a half. Uh, he's sorted out the uh, structure of what's happening at Ewood uh, on the footballing side. You know, he's brought in coaches and he's looking at recruitment. And, um, you know, I think he needs the summer um, and see what he does over the summer. And then we judge him next season um, when when season starts and, you know, we'll see how the team develops. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I agree entirely. Um, the um, the thing for this season is uh, if he can get us to Wembley, if he doesn't lose to Burnley, and as long as he can stabilise us in mid-table, um, I, I think... Uh, I think he'll have done a, a pretty decent job uh, uh, given the complete mess we were in when he came in. So, um, yeah. I think as fans, when we need to um, realise that we don't have no God-given right to be in the Premier League. We've had fantastic no, no. Uh, you know, 10 years uh, uh, being in the Premier League, doing really well, uh, becoming an established club in the Premier League, but we don't have no God-given right and what has happened at Ewood over the last two and a half years has been, you know, the, the club has been destroyed. Um, you know, Keane destroyed the club in terms of getting us relegated and, you know, we've lost, you know, a huge amount of players and the club structures have been destroyed. That is a long road back for us uh, to get in the Premier League. It's not just having a good squad that will just get you back in, into the Premier League. You need a, a stable club everyone pulling their same direction. Uh, you know, look at Cardiff. Um, they've had investment. They've got a stability off the pitch. Everyone's pulling in the right direction. And, and you know, hope they look like they're going to go up this season. But that didn't just happen overnight. It's taken four or five years for them to get into that position. And the level of uh, destruction at, at Rovers over the last two years means we're way, way behind the likes of Leicester, um, you know, even Hull, Cardiff, Brighton. Those are very stable clubs with a proper plan. So, yeah, those clubs uh, like Brighton, they're well-established, you know, they're stable, they've got a game plan and, and they're going forward. We don't have any of that at the moment. You know, we've had, last year, people pulling in different directions, I think five, six new managers, so there's a long road back from here and as fans we've now got to realise that this is a, a, a massive job to stabilise the club and before we can even think about getting back in the Premier League, you know, it's going to take a lot of work and uh, I get the feeling from Twitter and reading some forum posts that people think this is just going to happen overnight. Uh, it isn't and you know we could be in for a, a extended stay in, in the championship um, um, and as fans we're just going to have to get used to that um, and and hopefully you know someone like Appleton can can rebuild the club and, and, and get us stable again and then we can look to launch a, a, a promotion challenge but it's not something that's just going to happen overnight. No, I don't know how you feel about that, Eddie. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think it's a certain point. Uh, you know, we have to stick with the manager and give him the chance over a long period of time to, to put a plan in place and, and try and prove himself. I think Appleton's been making a lot of the right moves, and certainly the club seems to be run at the moment in a more professional manner than it has been over the last 18 months to two years. And so he certainly deserves a full season, a full preseason to prepare a team to, to put 
the squad in place that he would like. And I mean, he's still essentially, despite the number of moves that he's made, working with someone else's squad. So if he can have the opportunity to, to, to fix that and, and put, you know, fix the holes, the obvious holes in the team, which I mean, he's spoken pretty openly about, then I think we that's the best way forward and gives us the best chance of really being competitive next season. I do think we've kind of developed the general Rovers supporters. I mean, they've in my time following the club have always been quite dramatic. I think that's the nature of being a football supporter. But I think over the last two years, we've become very impatient with a lot of the things that have been happening at the club, which is only natural because of the, the way in which it's been, it's been run. But, you know, I think it may, we have to see when someone is trying to do the right thing and give them time. I mean, even in recent seasons with good managers that we've had, if you look at Sunas and Hughes, you know, they needed a bit of time when they first took charge to, to reshape a team and, and to put their plan into place, it's not as if they came in and overnight we, we, we certainly were transformed. You know, as soon as things were good under him in that first season, uh, but, you know, there was, there was a, a period where he needed time to, to have things to pick up and Hughes that first year, it was all about getting the team to fight relegation and from then he was able to build. So, I think Appleton deserves that that chance as well. I don't, I don't really think there's a point in in changing managers again at the end of the season, hoping that, that the, the next guy in is, is a miracle worker. Yeah, I I agree with uh, with both of you there. Uh, um, if we can just move on uh, the forthcoming matches, uh, as uh, we said before, uh, if we draw tomorrow against Millwall, then we'll have a replay. Uh, down at Ewood Park on Wednesday. The match against Burnley's uh, a, a, in a week's time on the Sunday. Uh, it's a lunchtime kickoff, uh, 12.30. Um, the Burnley fans uh, haven't quite sold the bottom tier, I don't think, yet. But a um, bit, uh, bit concerned about the, the, what the crowd will be for, the, for that match. But um, yeah, more important is the result. Uh, and then a couple of weeks later on Good Friday, the 29th of March, uh, we've got Blackpool at home. So that's uh, a couple of key matches coming up, uh, local derbies. On the Monday, we've got uh, Cardiff uh, on the the bank holiday on, on Easter Monday. Uh, we'll be away there. So it's important that we pick up the points uh, before we go to Cardiff, I think. Now, um, Eddie, you've... Uh, you reported last time, I think, uh, uh, that you were doing a, a Q&A with an agent, a football agent. Um, it's uh, There's been some delay, I believe. Yeah, I just think it's... it's uh, at first he thought he would have time to do it that week, and then as it turned out, it was quite busy for him. I think with the end of the transfer window, he had quite you know a little bit of work. And then obviously he also covers, he represents uh, you know, American athletes in, in, in American sports and it's coincided with the, the, the sort of the trade deadline in the NBA and uh, the build-up to the NFL draft. So I think just overall it's been sort of a little bit unfortunate and then it's a very busy period with him. But I've spoken with him recently, so the Q&A should be going up in, the, in this week. And then... Uh, he sh- hopefully will be making an appearance on the podcast soon. So, any if any listeners want to sort of read the Q and A once it's been put up, and then there'll be a, a discussion topic on the website where they can, if they have any follow up questions, uh, put those there. And then when the when he makes an appearance on the podcast, we can sort of try and get those get those views out there and 
and see see what he has to say. Yeah, that's great. Cammy, uh, you've uh, known for a while now that uh, the Lancashire Telegraph match reporter and, and Blackman Rovers reporter Andy Cryer is going to be leaving the Lancashire Telegraph. Um, uh, where is he going? What's he going to be doing? Uh, can you can you let us in on that? Yeah, um, his last game is going to be <laughs> the Burnley game. Uh, and then he'll be leaving uh, Rovers to go and work um, for the BBC. I think he's working on the online side of things. Um, obviously, Andy's been at the Telegraph for a n- number of years, you know, and he's done a fantastic job uh, under very difficult circumstances reporting on, on Rovers, particularly over the last two years. Um, um, Rovers fans owe him a great debt, uh, which you know, a lot of people won't know, but he's behind the scenes done loads of stuff to try and get the owners to listen to what fans are saying, uh, what you know, how they should be running the club, etc. He's gone over and beyond uh, the duty <laughs> uh, for a local reporter in trying to get Venkies to uh, um, run the club in a more professional manner. Uh, he's you know he's been fantastic for us and I mean on behalf of BRCS um, I'd like to wish him all the best uh, and in his new job and to thank him uh, for uh, all the help and support he's given me over the years uh, and all the help and support he's given to Rovers fans and uh, for his you know great coverage of Rovers in terms of. Uh, trying to provide, where possible, under the lunatics that are in the club, accurate reporting of, of what, what's going on at Ewood. Uh, it's not been easy over the last two years, because often you're, you're getting told stuff by the club that isn't even true. So he's done a fantastic job. And you know the, the thing that sticks out to me was, as a local reporter, he did a front page, he got the Telegraph to do a front page uh, asking for Steve Keane to be sacked. And, you know, that was huge for a local reporter. Because uh, uh, you remember, you're relying on the club uh, to be, you know, to work with you and give you stories. So for him to put himself out there by getting the Telegraph to do a, a headline front page saying, time to go Steve. Uh, was 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 amazing, and you know I'd just like to wish him all the best for the future. Yeah, yeah, that's good. He's uh, a Bristol City fan, of course, but uh, it'll be good to have uh, someone sympathetic to to the Rovers over at the BBC. Uh, wish him very well. He's a Bristol City fan, but I think we've converted him to Rovers. Oh, uh, that's good to hear. That's good. He to often hear. talks at Rovers as we nowadays, and uh, really, uh, I think, yeah, yeah, I think he's really developed uh, a real soft spot for Rovers, uh, you know, because we've been a big part of his career, you know, uh, covering a Premier League club is, is good for uh, someone's CV and the way he's covered it uh, has brought him to the attention of the national media and we've been really good for him and he's been fantastic for us, so um, um, I think we may have converted him in yeah. some respects. <laughs> Yeah, certainly his uh, enthusiasm uh, for the game and also for the Rovers does come through uh, in, in his uh, tweets, for example, uh, and uh, in his uh, um, in his reports. Uh, 
So yeah, he, he, he is someone who cares. You know, he's he was covering Swindon before he got the Rovers job, and even now he always looks out for the results and he's always tweeting about about them. So I think as a person, he genuinely does care about the clubs that he's been he's been covering. And you know, local when you covering something for a local newspaper, you know, it's not like a national where you know you're covering the whole of football. You know, he's made stories with Blackburn Rovers, you know. That was his his job. So you've got to build links and 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 you you develop uh, an affinity with with the one subject that you're covering, you know, six days a week. Hmm. That's good. Well it'll be uh, yeah. Be interesting to see who uh who who comes in after um, him? Um, we'll we won't speculate here, but um, uh, whoever it is, we'll be wishing uh, the very best of luck. And uh, finally, I'd just like to give a give a, a mention uh, of uh, some rather disturbing uh, scenes that uh, that hit YouTube. Uh, Jerome Anderson, um, who normally doesn't uh, get mentioned on BRCS. Uh, was uh, doing a tantric dance at the School of Awakening and um, he and his his wife were filmed doing a, 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 a well, I, I don't want to say too much because it will get me in trouble but uh, uh, yeah, he really needs to work on his rhythm I think um, especially if you're doing tantric stuff <coughs> but anyway um <laughs> I don't know if uh, either of you saw that, but it was fairly disturbing. I, I managed, I think it was a seven-minute uh, 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 seven uh, video. I managed about one minute twenty before I, before I had to stop. But, uh, that was slightly more than uh, I managed to watch Junali <laughs> talking to, to some Eastern European place. So but that's not saying much anyway. Did, did either of you see these disturbing scenes? I I saw him and it was comedy gold to be honest. Uh, it was oh, it's, it's made my year that has uh, that coming out yesterday. Uh, obviously, I don't want to go into Jerome Anderson because we'll just get ourselves into a lot of trouble. But um, um, you know, I think um, Nick Harris tweeted, and we can mention this because there's a Nick Harris tweet, and he said there was nothing tantric about the way that. Um, Jerome Anderson screwed Rovers. Um, we'll just leave it at that, I think. <laughs> well, it well, I was think, um, maybe the only thing tantric was how long he and uh, he and Steve Key managed to stay around for. I mean, that was yeah, it was a uh, long and slow. I think. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to stop us there because uh, I know that I'm going to say something I shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. So yeah, if uh, I, I I believe that uh, the website has been taken down, but uh, I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I've seen it, <laughs> so you're not running away uh, with it. <laughs> I've been reading some of the agents, uh, and they were having a, a right laugh at him. You know, uh, it's you know if you want some credibility, uh, that kind of thing is gonna you know shoot whatever credibility you have uh, down you. It was flabbergasting some of the stuff that his uh, missus came out with. It was, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, that's Jerome Anderson. So. <laughs> dear, oh dear. Yeah. Right, well, well, going from the uh, ridiculous to the sublime, um, predictions for the Millwall match. 
go on uh eddie you're going down there uh you've uh, you've got the midas touch when it comes to rovers in the fa cup in london what do you reckon mm. uh say we'll win 3-1 i'll be brave okay cammy uh, i'm going for a scrambled 2-1 victory uh with a late goal getting us through so 2-1 uh, okay, that's good yeah. Well, I'll sit on the fence. I think I think we'll come away with a draw, bring them back to Ewood. Uh, it's not what we want, but uh, it's better than a defeat. And uh, uh, I think I think we will get the draw, possibly one each. The most important thing too is is if we do win, if we can possibly avoid City or United in the semi-finals, would be nice. That might be asking too much, though. Yeah. That would be a bonus. Uh, Let's get there first. I'm going to worry about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'll worry about. The, I'll worry about the draw once the game's finished. Yeah. Yeah. Just get to Wembley. I think uh, now it'd be fantastic for for everyone concerned. I think after the uh, the couple of years that we've had and uh, Burnley match next weekend. What do you reckon, Eddie? You first. Oh, I think we'll win. I think. I think if I think the problem with our team so occasionally it might be motivation and dedication to the cause, and I think that uh, you know they'll, they'll be aware of how much this this match means to the supporters. And I think the atmosphere will will, will be good enough that, that they'll definitely be sort of up for it, so to speak. So I think uh, I think we'll I think we'll pick up the win. Cami, I'd love for us to win, but um, suspect uh, we'll draw one-one. Mm. Yeah, I don't even think of a loss. No, but I've got bad feelings. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, bad, bad feelings. But, uh, yeah, I mean, losing to Bolton, losing to Blackpool, that's pretty bad. But Burnley, I mean, doesn't bear thinking, does it? If we lose today, uh, tomorrow, so sorry, and then lose lose that as well, I mean, that will have really been a disastrous season. At least if we can get an FA Cup semi-final and have extended the, the unbeaten run against Burnley, then at least... At least that's something. Yeah, yeah, too right. Well, we'll uh, we'll see whether our predictions come come right or not by the next time we have a podcast, uh, a regular podcast that is. Um, I managed to take a, a recording while I was in Brisbane uh, with some of the members of BRANZ Brands. That's uh, Blackman Rovers in Australia, New Zealand. Um, I'll be looking to put it out uh, in the coming week uh, haven't got round to editing and uh, publishing yet uh, but look forward to to that uh, very much so watch out on the uh, forums and on the front page for uh, the Brant's uh, Brisbane Meetup uh, podcast that uh, should be out fairly soon well uh, thanks ever so much uh, to Cami for coming on after such a, a, a long break, I hope you've uh, enjoyed coming back, Cammy. Yeah, um, uh, like I said at the start, I've missed the podcast. Um, I'm getting loads of questions on Twitter asking when they were going to be back. So uh, hopefully, we can do some more regular ones now that uh, you know all our workloads are a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's been good and uh, really enjoyed it. Great, thanks. Thanks very much. Yeah, and Eddie. Yeah, thanks to you. Uh, also, for uh, similar reasons, uh, busy, busy, busy in this last few weeks. So, thanks for making the time to come on. Yeah, it's a pleasure as always. And hopefully, next time we'll have some uh, some good results to discuss. 
Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Good. Well, thank you. I, I think, think just before I finish is this is one of the first podcasts we've done in two years where we've not been talking about off the field shenanigans. Uh, it. <laughs> you know, we're normally talking about bankruptcy or you know shenanigans relating to Chevy or whatever. So it's just talking about on the field stuff. It's 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 it feels quite unique <laughs> after two years of talking about what's going off the field. Uh, I think it's good that we're able to focus on what's going on on the field. Well, now you've said that, we're going to lose both the next two games and be in administration by the time we next <laughs> next record one. Yeah. At least we could say we've had one podcast where we've not talked about off the field shenanigans. Yeah, maybe fifty-eight is a lucky number. Yes. <laughs> anyway, thanks ever so much to you both, and uh, look forward to talking to you both soon. Uh, thanks ever so much to everyone for listening in, uh, wherever you are in the world. We do hope you do take good care, and thank you ever so much.